0: If you are not getting enough sleep, if you are trying to do everything, if you are caught up in this idea that you have to be perfect, that everybody else is doing it and that you're not, if you are feeling an enormous amount of mommy guilt or daddy guilt because you can't keep it all together, that doesn't mean that you have some sort of disorder. It means that we are in a period right now in our society where we are absolutely overwhelmed with so many things. Welcome to Season 6 of Fluster Clucks
1: with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about a family's anxiety and all the big feelings, too. We tackle the serious stuff without being too serious, and I'm your co-host, Robin. I'm
0: Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. I'll give you concrete steps to take and the words to say. Okay, everybody, welcome to the sixth season of Fluster Clucks. Woohoo! Woohoo! Yeah, we've been doing this for a while now, haven't we? Yeah, not actually six years because we didn't know in the beginning how to
1: count seasons the right way. But no, the last few seasons have been full school years.
0: Yeah. I still don't really know how to count seasons. That's okay. I do. Okay. I know. That's why you're in (laughs) charge of such things. Yeah. I just show up. Okay. So we're going to start this season for you, parents. This is for you, parents. Listen up. Yeah. The reason we want to start this season for parents is because There's just a lot of stuff floating around. And we talk so much, of course, about mental health in kids. And we've heard so much about the mental health crisis and how kids are struggling and teens are struggling. But man, is there a lot of stuff coming at the adults as well, which I think we need to talk about.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of trend around moms thinking that they have ADHD. And I can tell you, I saw something on Instagram that sort of stood for everything you despise. (laughs) Literally, I was shocked. But I guess because I haven't ventured that much into mental health influencers. But a very, very well-known one, not for young people, but for moms like us, like a super duper popular influencer was saying, do you, mom, have undiagnosed ADHD? And she proceeded to list and ask questions. But I swear one was like, can you concentrate for an extended amount of time in one setting, but not in another? Do you feel that you enjoy impulsive shopping? It was like, do you have ovaries? It was just like a stupid, stupid quiz. And I was like, okay, so every woman who finishes this little quiz is going to say, yes, I am that person because it was so general. Yeah. And then everyone thinks that they have ADHD. So please help us stop this madness.
0: So you saw that. And at the same time that you saw that, I was actually completing an article that I've just written about this trend of self-diagnosis. And the article is about self-diagnosis in a lot of ways, but certainly a big part of the article was about this very thing about women in ADHD and self-diagnosis. Did you say you took a quiz on this? The way the article came to fruition is that I was at a conference sitting having breakfast with some colleagues and a colleague of mine and I, he works at a very well-known college in Cambridge, Massachusetts. We went on a rant about this. And we were overheard. (laughs) And then I got a call, would you like to put this rant into an article? So that's how it all came to be. But yes, I took a quiz, one of the online quizzes of do you have ADHD? And it said things like, do you lose track of your thoughts? Do you have to move around after sitting still for a period of time? do you feel anxious at times? And I purposely hit sometimes for every response. So of all these questions, it was never, all the time, sometimes. I just went through and hit sometimes. And I immediately got the results of my quiz into my inbox. And guess what? I have ADHD combined type. And it told me that I could purchase my full report and my 30-day online program. I've been getting emails from them ever since just to see how long they're going to hang in there with me. One of the emails says, it turns out that a lot of female users with the same score as you were able to significantly reduce their ADHD symptoms. Wait, and just for clarity, I don't have ADHD. You don't have ADHD. No. I mean, I got a lot of things. Talk about bones and I lose consciousness, right? That's an issue. But I don't have ADHD. But as I was reading this, I was just looking at the questions and I was thinking, how many exhausted moms... How many women who are trying to work and get their kids to school and get their kids to daycare, and how do we manage smartphone use, which is something we're going to talk about in a later episode, and all this stuff, how do we not feel overwhelmed? How do we not feel like we're losing track of things? Just sort of struck home is that the more that we are telling women that there's something wrong with them the more that we're kind of missing the opportunity to actually address the bigger picture of what's going on in our lives as parents. I think it's important to stop and say there's a
1: reason why so many women are seeking an answer to what's wrong with me, in air quotes, because most women do feel overwhelmed, spread thin, sleep-deprived, not as connected as they would like to be socially because the volume of things they have to do prevent them from doing that. I mean, most women are not living a life that feels super balanced. That's just the truth. However, I think
0: people think everyone else is living that life but them look, I want to be very clear, like ADHD is a real thing and people have ADHD and depression is a real thing and people get depressed and anxiety is a real thing and people have anxiety disorders. That's what I do for a living. My beef is that when we put these quizzes out there that list these symptoms that so many of us are experiencing and that you think, oh, well, this diagnosis explains everything. When I'm writing an article, I'm always doing research. So I always learn a lot when I write an article. I just want to tell you about this one research study that I found. It was in 2021, still sort of in the COVID place. But in this study, 74% of mothers say that it is their primary responsibility to manage their children's schedules and activities.
1: While also working a job and managing a home. Correct.
0: On top of all their other household duties and their work outside the home. And my friend who I was talking to when we were going on this rant, he's younger than I am. So his peers are right in this age group of raising children, school-age children. He said that more and more of his friends, his peers are saying, oh my gosh, I think I have adult ADHD. So I think that when we look at the setup, when we look at what is going on in our culture, the pressure that we're under, the amount of perfectionism that we're assaulted with, the idea that everybody else is managing this and balancing this. I think that a lot of women in particular are saying, oh my gosh, there must be something wrong with me because I can't manage the way that everybody else is. And the truth of it is, is that everybody else is not. You know, we're not all feeling great about how overwhelmed and overworked and distracted and worn out and sleep deprived that we are right now. We did an episode way back when, I don't even know what season it was in, about diagnoses and what happens next if your child gets a diagnosis of anxiety or diagnosis of depression. And I was very clear in that episode, I hope, I remember trying to be very clear in that episode about the fact that getting a diagnosis of anxiety doesn't mean there's something wrong with you and it doesn't mean that it's a permanent thing. Being depressed doesn't mean that there's something wrong in your brain that can never be fixed and it's who you are. And I think that when I see these quizzes in magazines that talk about this diagnosis you get, I think that a lot of times the way it's presented is that, oh, you've got this significant problem. You've got something wrong with you. This is who you are. And then what do you do about it? Well, the quizzes don't really give you a whole lot of information about what to do next. We're gonna take a break, but when we come back, we
1: should actually talk about how these quizzes have trended over decades and how these same quizzes really existed when we were kids, but they were asking different questions.
0: All right. Picture the thing that you've always wanted to learn, and now picture that you're learning it from the person who's literally the best in the world at it. It's fantastic, and that's what you get with MasterClass. I recently listened to Matthew Walker's talk on sleep and the importance of consistency with sleep. I loved Bobby Brown's MasterClass, gave me all these tips about putting on makeup because, you know, I'm in front of a camera sometimes and I want to look good, and Bobby was such a big help. So, Fluster. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com fluster. Masterclass.com fluster. You know, when you're listening to
1: a song on the radio and you just have this feeling that the song was written about you or that it was someone that you love trying to say something to you, well, now imagine... The power to gift that same incredible feeling to someone you love with an original song that actually is about them and about your relationship, and that Songfinch writes just for you. Songfinch lets you create an original radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people that you love. It's completely unique, it's personal, and it lasts forever. I had the pleasure of creating a family song with Songfinch about our summer celebrations that we have every year. I knew it was going to make everybody cry, and it certainly did. I got to be honest, I was even crying, giving all of the information and helping personalize my song with the writer that I chose. He absolutely delivered a beautiful acoustic song that captured exactly what I was looking for, and it was so fun to share with the family. So whether you're your song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, a wedding or an anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care, start your song now to lock in one of Song Finch's top artists. Don't waste another dollar on more stuff. It only takes four to seven days, but that song will last forever. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free so you and the lucky person or people can listen to it anywhere, anytime. So go to songfinch.com fluster and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, a $50 value. Again, the URL is songfinch.com slash Don't forget to share your song with us, too, in our Facebook group, songfinch.com slash fluster.
0: Robin and I travel a lot, and part of traveling is that you learn that you have to compromise, right? So maybe you're not going to get the best seat on the plane. Well, you know where you shouldn't compromise? You shouldn't compromise with your health care. When it comes to your health, there's no compromising, everybody. Don't go back to that one doctor who didn't really pay attention to you, who rushed you through your appointments. Check out ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Fluster and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Fluster. ZocDoc dot com slash Fluster. Okay, we're
1: back. So, Lynn, you and I are close enough in age that we grew up reading Seventeen magazine and that, of course, there was Cosmo and Glamour and all of these kind of Condé Nast and Hearst magazines for young women. And they were very quiz filled. hmm Do you remember some of the topics? Like, are you a jealous girlfriend? Or are you a good best friend? They were somewhat
0: generic. Yeah. Well, a lot of them were about sex too, right? Like, Not in Seventeen. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you didn't take the highlights quiz at the pediatrician's <laughs> office? Yeah. <laughs> Just right. kidding. That was inappropriate. No, you're right. Like it was a lot about relationships and friendships. Right, it was about a, it was a social emotional kind of light stuff
1: about friendships. Well, that lasted but print magazines aren't subscribed to anymore. Those aren't around. So then there was the trend when online magazines became a thing, and then like the year of the decade of the BuzzFeed quizzes or the Bored Panda quizzes. Then it started getting really into self-categorization. And obviously, mothers of our age group are very familiar with like, are you Samantha, Carrie, Miranda, or Charlotte? Like, oh, which yeah, Sex and right? the City character are you, right? I actually refer to this with my daughter a lot, where I always say to her, we're not just one. We are a composite of all of them, you know, so we're like maybe 20% this. And actually, she's not seen Sex in the City. So I put it into a show that we are familiar with
0: Gilligan's Island. <laughs>
1: We're a portion. And I think people can understand. So stay with me here. So people can understand if they take a quiz, which Harry Potter character are you? Which this or that? Which Hogwarts house are you? People wanted to categorize. Oh, this is who I am. So in that context, people sort of understand that they could be quite a few different answers. And they also didn't take it too seriously. Somewhere along the way, all
0: these quizzes became about mental health diagnoses. And it's much more serious because it's very different if you're deciding that you're more of a Slytherin instead of a Hufflepuff, or you're more like Jan instead of Marsha. But when we're talking about mental health diagnoses, when we're talking about you concluding this about yourself, this is what the whole article that I wrote about, it was about self-diagnosis. It was about coming up with a conclusion that you have this disorder. And one of the things about the social media influencers and the people giving these quizzes is, A, they have no idea what they're talking about. The lists are very vague. Everybody can sort of fit into it and identify themselves. But there's another trend that's happening where it says that how I diagnose myself is the most important thing. Even a mental health professional, there is a trend that says that we're not allowed to question how somebody came to their diagnosis, that that becomes insulting, that that becomes demeaning, that somehow we are invalidating. So we've got all these quizzes that are out there put out by people like Khloe Kardashian and then people concluding that if I take this quiz and if I have this disorder, that this is a valid way of me determining who I am. Now also, and again, this is, one of the things that I can go on a rant about, but also a lot of these quizzes are supported by pharmaceutical companies. And so there's a very obvious desire for people to come up with a diagnosis that then will result in the purchase of something. The prescription of something that you request from your primary care physician. Correct. Or directly from the website that is now selling the prescriptions. With my ADHD quiz that I took, they wanted to sell me my 30-day ADHD plan. They wanted to sell it to me. It wasn't free. I mean, I think your point is so valid, and I think this trend that we're seeing is so important. I love the context that you're putting it in, that it used to just be for fun. You know, am I Samantha or am I Charlotte? But when we're taking these quizzes and when people are diagnosing themselves or thinking that they have these disorders, it feels good to have that explanation But remember that it's not just for fun. You really need to look at what's going on in your life in a whole realm of ways, not just based on a quiz that you took because some social media influencer put the quiz online. Your average
1: teenager
0: takes some sort of
1: influencer driven quiz and then decides because they like a neat room. I'm just giving an example that they have OCD and that your peers in your field when that teen says, okay, I have OCD. And then you say, and how did this diagnosis come about? And they say, I took a quiz. Mm -hmm. And you're not supposed
0: to question that? Well, I don't think that, but there is definitely a trend within younger therapists, therapists in training that I am aware of, that if you believe you have it, you do. And so it's happening with autism, it's happening with OCD, it's happening with personality disorders, it's happening with ADHD, that it is really insulting and invalidating to say to somebody, I'm not sure that you have that diagnosis because you determined it yourself or you got it from a quiz online. Right. We have talked about this in slightly different ways in episodes
1: past where you... Have been booed at high schools. I <laughs> have. Yeah. When you say you're diag, so let's say you actually do by a therapist get a diagnosis of depression. Mm-hmm. Then that teenager or young adult is like, okay, I have depression. I have depression. That is my identity. And you've argued, well, you're presently experiencing depression, but that is not your identity. And we can work to help you move through your depression by increasing certain skills and blah, 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 right? Like that's part of what your therapy
0: is. Yeah, that's what therapy is, by the way. That's what therapy is. But yes, of course. Sorry, I'm not a therapist. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. So, but that's
1: the positive
0: outcome. Right. But
1: the tendency of young people wanting to say, this is my label don't mess with my label, and my label is permanent. Mm -hmm. We don't want the younger generation to
0: affect the adults with this too, because this is a very bad path to go down. Correct. And I think that what I'm seeing is I'm seeing it move into adults. This is why you saw that social influencer quiz. I am seeing these adult quizzes. And I think that the tendency or the Desire to have some sort of label, which is really common in adolescence. I mean, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to figure out who you are. So you move through different stages of I'm this, I'm that, right? There's a lot of experimenting, a lot of trying on of identity. I'm seeing it move up into, in particular, like the mom population of really trying to have that label or that identity. The problem with it is that, for one, where are you getting your information? I'm certainly not going to let my profession off the hook because there is a lot of history of us doing this very same thing. But I really want women to hear. I want all everybody listening to hear is that if you are feeling, if you are experiencing, if you are struggling with these symptoms that are on these checklists, absolutely, one, you are not alone Get information about what to do to make it better for you and begin to look at the bigger picture rather than going in and saying, oh, there must be something wrong with my brain or there must be something wrong with my abilities or there must be something wrong with this. Look at the bigger picture because if you are not getting enough sleep, if you are trying to do everything, if you are caught up in this idea that, You have to be perfect, that everybody else is doing it and that you're not. If you are feeling an enormous amount of mommy guilt or daddy guilt because you can't Keep it all together, that doesn't mean that you have some sort of disorder. It means that we are in a period right now in our society where we are absolutely overwhelmed with so many things. I just don't want people to take this on as, oh, that's what's wrong with me, when it really is such a bigger picture. It's a culture right now, it's an experience right now of being a parent that I think feels so untenable to people. And I don't want them to conclude that it's because there's something wrong with their brain and that it's a permanent thing. I think that's not where the solutions lie. That's my point.
1: One friend of mine, working mom, very busy, very structured, her week through the work week, very busy. Weekends, she fills the weekends a lot with a lot of activities too. There was a lot of activity and not a lot of downtime. She sort of hit a wall. Like I'm done. Something's wrong. I'm done. Was going and going and going at this pace. She started paying a really big price for it. She started changing her schedule, changing her work schedule, changing her family schedule, and she started filling in mandatory time for herself in a way that she never had before. And it made all the difference. She has been consistent with that for the last year. And it enabled her to feel much more productive with her work again. It made her have so much more fun with her family again. She was just going, going, going. And, you know, for over a decade at this pace, and it caught up to her. Nothing was wrong with her. Right. There just wasn't a balance. And she had to work and look at, how she was living to understand what she could change and the impact that it had. And I think that that's truthfully like the majority of us is that we have gotten into a pattern where we're taking on so much that we're burning candles at both ends. I'm just going to share a personal example too, with just by taking the anxiety audit, you know, when we launched that course and really paying attention to the patterns, I keep Unpacking them when I think I'm done. And then I love the fact that I revisit and something hits me in a different way. Oh, I do that. I do that. When I really understood the root of where I get triggered with an overwhelm pattern at work and I made modifications and I'm still working on it, it's an ongoing process. If you were to ask my family what my basic mood is most days compared to where it was maybe. A year ago, six months ago, it's really different. Everyone's going to have overwhelm triggers. So really understanding that and read Lynn's book if you haven't,
0: read The Anxiety Audit because it can be such a game changer as it was for me. A huge change that has sort of dawned on me, it sort of started during the pandemic, but it's continued, is that how did I value, what? like what were some of the things that I thought were really necessary and important that I felt good about that were actually not good for me? One of those things is that I am an early morning exerciser. I had in my head for a really long time, for years and years and years, that sleeping in was sort of like weakness. And I'm talking about like sleeping in till seven. And I still get up and go to the gym, but I only go three days a week. I used to teach spinning. The classes started at 5.30. And what happened with me was that I started traveling more and more. So I would get home from a trip. Say I got home at midnight from a flight and I still had to teach spinning and get up at 4.30 the next morning. And what happened during COVID, of course, is because of everything, my gym closed. I started not setting my alarm and I really figured out how much sleep my body likes she did just say that she taught 5.30 spinning <laughs> in the morning for years. For 20 years. For 20 years. I actually quit before COVID. I quit doing that. It became apparent, but that I didn't want to do, I mean, 20 years, please, how long can you teach spinning? And then my husband always says, you don't teach spinning. It's not hard. Okay. I've led spinning classes. The thing that really has become clear to me is that my body likes and wants more sleep than I had given myself permission for. Or I thought that getting six hours sleep was a sign of what? Like a sign of strength, a sign of like, look at me. It was something like one of those things you brag about. I only need this many hours of sleep. That is not the case. And I've really changed that. Well, the example is not one relatable to many, okay? Yeah.
1: Because the very small percentage of the population who's like, yeah, that was a good idea. Because (laughs) I love going to 5.30 spinning. So even though that example isn't relatable, it's really, you had a rigidity about your expectation and that this is the way it was done. And all of us have that rigidity about a few things that we should consider letting go of.
0: And even more of of rigidity for sure, but also just a very skewed value. So maybe my skewed value was if I get less sleep, that says something about me, like that's a strength of being able to Handle less sleep. And I really can. Like, I can sleep for four hours and get up and function, not days in a row. But I think, like, think of perfectionism. I hear people will say, well, one of the things I take pride in is blank. And it could be that their house is always perfect or that this or that. And sometimes those things that we value, those things that we hold as a sign of our strength are actually contributing to answering yes and yes and yes and yes on these questionnaires if you are sleep deprived, you're not concentrating. You can't focus. If you've got three little kids or two little kids or even one new baby or three teenagers, whatever the constellation may be, you are not able to remember things, people, right? I mean, I think what we're doing, what women tend to do is that we hold up these things as signs of strength and values that show our competence That are really making it more likely that when we take one of those ADHD quizzes, we're going to get an email that says, you have ADHD, where it's really like, you aren't sleeping or you're perfectionistic. Or you've got three kids. Or you've got three kids. Yeah. And you're in a marriage where 74% of you are still taking care of the kids' schedules and the kids' activities and managing the house and cooking and cleaning. Right. I mean, we see it all the time, not to diss on the men here, but I mean, it's pretty consistent. I saw one thing recently where the mom said that she wishes she got as much praise when she took her kids to the grocery store as her husband would get when he took the kids to the grocery store. He's in the grocery store and everybody's like, look at you with your three kids at the grocery store. And she's like, oh my God, please. Yeah. I've mentioned this before, but
1: I really was going to lose it when we were on a plane home and there was a dad with like a two-year-old and an infant flying somewhere people treated him like he was a hero and I expected a parade in the terminal for him when he got off. It was like, I did that and you did that. Yep. Hundreds of times with no congratulations or aren't you
0: amazing. And what we did receive though, which I received and you have received is the wonderful help of women who looked at us and had been in that very same position and said, can I carry the car seat for you, right? The thing that I want to convey in this is that I think not only have we gotten to this place where we're holding up these things that we do with sort of badges of honor that are actually exhausting us or that are too much, they feel good. I talk a lot about the lure of perfectionism, but then now the flip side is that now we're diagnosing ourselves with these disorders, with these problems. Like what's the payoff here? Where is the person saying, yeah, the reason you're so exhausted is because your life is exhausting. And just like your friend, maybe you need to change your schedule. Just like me, maybe you need to stop seeing getting up at 4.30 as a badge of honor and seeing it as my friend calls getting up at dark 30 at farmer time. Why are you doing that? I do like to do it a few days a week. I'm not going to deny that. It's a lovely time of day, everyone. But it's not a badge of honor to do it to the point where you're exhausted. No. Let's take a break and we'll come right back. okay so now back to the show
1: i have kids who are now older and lynn you're an empty nester now i am but we have been at different stages of motherhood where we were very overwhelmed Mm -hmm. we were very sleep deprived Mm -hmm. and things were like harder on a daily basis than they are for us now but we see all of you who were feeling overwhelmed, because I think that that is, I think that's just the name of the game right now for most
0: of us. I ended up in the hospital with a sinus infection that was so bad that I had to be hospitalized because my kids were little. It was around the holidays. I was trying to do everything. I didn't take the time to go to get my sinus infection treated. I mean, that's why when you say like, we see you and overwhelmed and going through parenting, I do this for a living and I am aware of my patterns but when my kids were 1 and 3 and 2 and 4 and 3 and 5 I was just trying to get through the day. It was really really hard. I was sleep deprived for 8 years. Oh my gosh, my eyes burned all the time. I had contact lenses and my eyes just burned all the time. So I think that we see you, we hear you. I just want to make sure that women who are in this culture that we live in where it is hard to feel as if you've got both feet on the ground. It's hard to feel as if you have balance, that whole idea of balance. But I think I just want to caution all of you of thinking that there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you don't get help. It doesn't mean that you don't figure out like your friend did, Robin. And she probably had somebody that had to help her do that. I think she got to the point.
1: She did. She needed somebody else to say, you're doing too much, you've taken on too much, and you're burnt out. Yeah. Burnout, especially after the pandemic. This is so common. I think that without everyone truly having, although there are some people who, of course, a therapist would say, no, you really do have ADHD, which is separate. The majority of us have experienced burnout and overwhelm. And overwhelm is, you know, you describe that really as an anxiety pattern that you have. So we're in your territory now. So I bet everyone's feeling overwhelmed
0: who's listening to this, what do you got for us? Okay. I say this all the time. I'm going to say it again. Small things matter. They add up. And so it's not like you have to overhaul your whole life. It's not like you have to get a new job or get a new house or whatever. Think about the small changes that are also significant changes. Just like your friend said, I'm gonna take time for myself in a way that I never took before. If we look at what improves brain function, because that's what we're talking about, how does your brain and your body, how do they function better? You wanna pay attention to sleep for sure. Don't be like me. I'm better now, don't be like me. You wanna pay attention to social connection You want to pay attention to the people that you're spending your time with. Let me just say this. I've been listening to this podcast. This Julia Louis-Dreyfus has been doing this podcast, Wiser Than Me. Have you heard, listened to it, Robin? No, I'll save it. Okay, so she talked to a bunch of women, including Jane Fonda, Carol Burnett, Fran Lebowitz, all of these really accomplished women that are in their 80s and 90s. And one of the things at the end, she asked them, What do you wish your younger self knew? A lot of them talked about being more particular about what they said yes to, about paying attention to saying no when they wanted to say no. Carol Burnett said, who's 90 by the way, said it wasn't that she has any regrets that she said yes to things she shouldn't have said yes to. She says that she wishes she had said no to more things. Getting in the habit, getting in the practice of turning things down, of saying no thank you, Is really important. Protect your family time, protect your time, and just recognize being giving and generous and all things to all people is a lovely quality to have, but it will wear you out. Being able to say no to things you don't wanna do, paying attention, and again, like I know you're all gonna get annoyed with me, but I'm gonna say it move your body, move your body. Exercise helps. It helps with depression. It helps with anxiety. Do something that you enjoy. Go out for a walk. Get outside. But get away from this idea that everybody else is doing it better than you because we're all doing the same thing. And I would say that if you are somebody who is on social media a lot, if you are somebody who tends to use your downtime to scroll Instagram, to look at TikTok, maybe do an experiment and take a two-week break from all social media, and see how that impacts the way that you think and you feel about yourself, about your family. It is incredibly hard for you to feel good about yourself when you are constantly bombarded with images of people supposedly doing it better, about your body, about your house, about your birthday cakes, about your job, about your money. Take a break. See what it's like for you to step back from that stuff And does that change the way that you think and feel about what you're getting done?
1: Yeah, I think substituting scrolling for a book or podcast is a very healthy choice.
0: Yeah, I've started doing that. I started reading again at night. I was developing some bad habits, which I'll talk about probably in a later podcast episode. But I was developing some, not horrible because I'm not addicted to my phone like some people are, but I was developing some bad habits and I have changed them. And they have made a difference. Probably my last thing to say is that, and I think this goes without saying, man, humor helps, right? I mean, you've got to laugh at yourself. And if you have people around you that you can laugh with about this, that can help you put it into perspective, that accept all of the messes of you, I think it's so important. I was talking to somebody recently, and this is he said a pretty profound thing. He's a guy who's involved in the recovery community. I know him from the gym. He's been sober for a long time now. He's got an interesting story. But we were talking about something and he said, yeah, you know, connection is the opposite of addiction. He didn't make that up, but I thought, wow, well, that is a really important thing to keep right inside your front and center. Right. Front and center. Connection is the opposite of addiction. And so really just make sure that you are surrounded by people who love you, who accept your faults, people who can laugh with you and cry with you. Right. I mean, it's important to have those connections. I would like to say
1: on that note that someone
0: in the Facebook group did share that she hit her kid's car Just Oh, to I make saw you that not along. That I was saw awesome. that. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, someone else. Thank you. whoever put that comment in. Thank you so much, that they were backing out of the driveway, and I guess the daughter was driving in and they smashed together. Yeah, see?: We see you. We know you're feeling overwhelmed. It's OK. It's OK. You're going to feel this way. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean that there is something wrong with you. That's what I want you to hear. It means you're a human being. It means that it is a tough damn time to be a parent and a human being. It is hard. Yeah. Well, stay with us
1: for season six. We have a lot of new exciting things coming and a few different types of
0: shows and show formats, including some guests. Including some guests. Some of my favorite people in the world. Thanks for listening. And if you found this podcast helpful, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find this information. And if you'd like to dig deeper on any of these topics, we have specialized playlists
1: on our Spotify profile and the link is in the show notes. Topics like teens, depression,
3: and OCD.
0: Bye, Lynn. Bye, Robin.